And we are back on the Revenge of the Birds podcast with part two of our Cliff Kingsbury as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals reaction show. I think that's great. The last team that's really hiring a coach that's still out there is the Miami Dolphins, who either they're still trying to sign Jim Harbaugh because that's what the Dolphins seem to want to do, or hopefully they're looking at more of a guy like a Chris Richard or um, maybe even a Brian Flores. They'll probably seem to go defense and then try to get one of those offensive guys. Maybe they're even the team that ends up with DeFilippo. Um, but hey, can we can we talk about possible coordinator options, Blake, and yeah, some of the names? Yeah, some of the names that we're hearing right now trickle in. Um, to me, I think the, the biggest story right now is finding that right defensive coordinator. Uh, and it's great that Michael Bidwell basically came out with Steve Kime. They both said, we're going back to a 3-4 defense. So that they admitted have, they were wrong. <laughs> they said, we're going right. back to we got the personnel. Taylor we're going to make Jones this. was so excited. And that's something yeah. I even talked about statistically. We had, uh, I, had uh, I think it was, um, it was at uh, Football Equity, at F-Ball Equity. Anthony, he was someone who I went and talked with before because he studied Chandler Jones when he was in Bill Belichick's team coming over. He said, well, here's the thing about Chandler. He's a good defensive end, but he's an elite, like top mm-hmm. of the line when he's a 3-4 standing yep. outside rush line. He'll, he'll <laughs> get you <laughs> He'll run and get you that 17 sacks a year yeah. instead of. He'll get, you, he'll get you 10 to 12 as a defensive end. He'll get you 17 to maybe 20 as an outside linebacker. Yep. Exactly. And so they're making the transition back, which is fantastic because they were a top six defense, I think, uh, for the better part of three, four years as a three form for whatever reason, opted to go with Steve Wilkes and went to a four three. They're scratching that. Yep. And they're looking at some coordinators, I think, that have some really interesting backgrounds. Vance Joseph, to me, they brought him in today for an interview. He's going to be highly sought after. I know that Cleveland wants to talk to him. I know the Jets want to talk to him. He'd probably be at the top of my list, Blake. I think he is somebody that can be energetic on the defensive side, has that head coaching experience. And I think uh, for all the struggles that the Denver Broncos had, they were still pretty good defensively. Um, and I, th- I think that would be a good hire. He was only a coordinator for one year, but he was a two-year head coach. Uh, and then you, you move down the list. Chuck Pagano is a name right away when Kingsbury was hired that, okay, yep. he's got a, he's got a connection and respect from Bruce Arians um, was a, an elite defensive coordinator with Baltimore before he got the Colts job and had some success there. Uh, kind of a, a calming presence in the locker room, but can really elevate guys. He would be, he and he and Joseph are one A and one B for me. I think both would be exceptional. And then you hear some other names like a Dom Capers who mm-hmm. uh, listen at the end of the day, he won a Super Bowl with the green Bay Packers probably overstayed his welcome, like a Mike McCarthy. Um, and so I think the biggest thing with him, and you could argue is, was it scheme or was it personnel? Because every time I watch those Packer games, their personnel specifically, what do you need to have an elite 3-4 defense? Your linebackers have to be studs, right? And the Cardinals have had that. They've had Marcus Golden. They've had Chandler Jones. They've had Dale Buchanan. They've had guys that can rush and fill. With Capers, outside of Clay Matthews, who was a little bit overrated to this point, they had very marginal talent, I think, defensively. Um, I think their defensive line got after it because they kept investing high picks on the really big high picks. And then finally hit on an owner. like a Mike Daniels, like, yeah. like Nick Perry worked out, but, but, their, but their linebacking core was always average. And so I, I always thought, okay, when their defense was, had talent, they won the Super Bowl when they had Charles Woodson humming, when Clay Matthews was entering his prime. So would I, would it be my first choice? No, but I, I can also understand that, okay, you're getting a veteran guy, and the, the cardinal strength of their team right now is on defense. So let's see what he can do. Uh, and then Blake, offensively, Ben McAdoo has been rumored. Yep. Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator. Why don't you touch on a little bit on the, on the offensive side? Yeah, of I'm talking the offense. The other name that was interesting was Mike Sherman, who's a guy who was a former a head coach and really wasn't successful at linebackers coach for the uh, New Orleans Saints. Yep. And he's someone who I think you could bring in as far as for having a wealth of experience. I think he's like about 57 or something or so years old. For me, the guy that was most intriguing, at least obviously, was uh, Pagano because of the amount of time he spent as a head coach and even having success as a head coach because I think that was something that's important. Also a really high man of character. Players loved him. And he was the guy who, when the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl, he was the defensive coordinator for that 3-4 that year. He would probably be the guy I would look at as the top as far as for guys you'd be able to get. Now, maybe some people are really coveting Joseph just because those defenses were so strong. Colt defenses had a lot of questions over throughout the years. 
but Pagano's gotten head coaching interviews this year. A lot of people are starting to kind of turn on to the fact that he really had really poor defenses overall just because they just did not have any talent. The they personnel in Indy was the terrible. The personnel in Indy was really rough. It ended up being where they had that one successful season when it was kind of the previous you know coach's talent with Andrew Luck and that offensive coordinators. Yep. Once those players left or got hurt or had issues, they just had no talent replacing that. So he would be the guy who I think comes with a cost because he's a guy who's already gotten head coaching interviews this year. He comes in fixes Arizona's defense they end up going back into kind of being you know a top uh, 10 style defense that they have been he doesn't even have to be that maybe in top 12 are you going to lose him in a year or two and then it kind here's of what I'll, here's what I'll say today here's yeah. what I'll say to that Blake and I don't mean to interrupt you oh yeah go for it I, I I'm okay with that because you've got the offensive side of the ball assuming that's figured out and you can look at what would they did with Todd Bowles right and he got a head job and it became uh, a you know a cycle where you get a James Betcher and you elevate him and hopefully you're able to do that. Also look at Chicago losing Vic Fangio, but attracting other defensive coordinators because they know the talent yeah, is Bowles, there. Bowles was considering going to Chicago. That was one. I of think the- you could say if you, if, if Chuck Brown comes here, fixes the defense, gets a head job next year, selling point for your defense, because you're getting guys head jobs because of your talent. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that, that could be there. The thing that's interesting is when you're talking about looking at the whole, uh, Sean McVay, Wade Phillips model. Uh, Wade Phillips is like 71. Dom Capers is 68. And what's interesting when you look <laughs> at the entire thing is they're both older guys, but you look at the vast experience of he was a head coach for two starting franchises with the Panthers and they came into the league and then the Texans hadn't had a lot of success as a head coach, but he did have like number one overall defenses those years that he was in there. He replaced the 4-3 defense Green Bay used with the 3-4. You saw that they were in second in scoring defense, fifth in total defense. He had first in opponent. So you're looking at this kind of guy who has had a lot of huge proven track record and he's coached his early. Like he was a guy who's been around, you know, like from all the way back in like the 1970s, he was coaching. You've seen this entire wealth of experience of, hey, here's the introduction to the NFL. Here's this coach. Here's this guy. Hey, we coached against Bill Belichick four times at least for that one in these last two seasons because we had to play them. You've got this entire history that you have that you're being able to bring in similar to a Wade Phillips bill introduced. That's a thing that I would think of as being a very large positive. At one point he was like the highest paid, you know, a coordinator in the NFL just because he was that highly thought of esteem. Everyone yep. talked about you're putting up points on a Dom Capers defense. It was considered a huge thing. Absolutely. The question that people had was, when he started falling off, at least for that one, because you notice the see, just saw this decline in the team every single year after, I think it was that 2011 series in that Super Bowl. He saw this decline that kept happening. So some people said he was a scapegoat. Some people said that, you know, he just was not running a modern NFL defense. Like you think back to with uh, the Dom Capers defense, they never got past the NFC West. They were like, I think it was, they had one win, I think against the, I think it was either the Niners or I think it was either. And they got lit up. And they got lit up by every single team, every single year. Like you look, at the Niners, Kaepernick ran wild for 200 yards. Kurt Warner went wild on the Cardinals, at least with that big pass play at the end. They were playing a tough defense. The Cardinals still came back in that game, put a ton of points up in the end. And it came down to like, you know, two Hail Marys for the most part because the Cardinals had just been, you know, wrecking that game, even with Carson Palmer's beat up thumb. David Johnson ran for like, I think, over 200 total yards in that game against them, too. And yeah. then you look at even just kind of the last years of him, it was just like, was it the talent? Was it him not running at least one? So for me, I think it would be interesting would be you know if you do bring in dom capers as your kind of guy to be that you know overall mentor role to kind of shape the young head coach give some of the past aspects i would even look at him as a defensive coordinating assistant if he's not going to take a dc job give him a job that's kind of similar to what you know tom moorhead with the cardinals maybe even make him an assistant head coach absolutely i would think that would be a fantastic approach you're also saying if the problem was him not adapting to the modern NFL offense, well, guess what? He's going to be playing a completely like air raid mixed with NFL type scheme every single week with his defense. He's going to look really, really fast. So I would think that would be a guy who I would look at him regardless and say, this is a guy I would love to bring in and have on my staff. Um, I would lean against the Mike Sherman overall. Um, But Mm -hmm. the other thing, as far as looking at the offensive side is here, the names that you've got coming out there, the first name that I was super excited about, and then was kind of heartbroken, like for about, you know, an hour afterwards was (laughs) Jake Spavital. Um, He was basically a guy who went way back with Cliff Kingsbury Yep. He's been working under Dana Holgerson with that explosive uh, West Virginia offense the last few years. Got Geno Smith in the NFL. It's going to get um, Will, Will Grier drafted after he was let go from Florida. Talented quarterback. Um, 
but he was a guy who you probably would have had as your OC. And he would have been like the, not the play calling guy, but he would have been like the NFL head coach, like Zach Taylor would have been the yeah. next year. He decides instead to go back to college. I think he's probably in a spot where he took on the job for that one. It would have been his first year as a head coach. He'd have been ditching the kids, you know, right now in his first year. It's, as a, t- it's a tough sell. Tough sell for that one, especially because, you know, you're going to all of a sudden be talked about as, oh, here's that dude who promised he was going to you know, coach. For that one. <laughs> Didn't even coach yeah. a year left for that one. And I, you understand it for a head coaching job when you're UF, USC. Yeah, it's not like Kingsbury leaving an OC job. It's not like job leaving an OC job. Or it's not like, oh, it's yeah. a USC job. It's oh, the opposite. USC job. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's him saying, hey, and so I think him staying at least a year at that job, I totally respect that. And I think it was great because he was a huge selling point for all those kids coming in with all of that one different from cliff at least overall so i would have no problem with him staying there it would have been fun because you'd have gotten kind of a guy who would have been wild would have been wild and it also would have been a spot of this is a guy who cliff could bounce ideas off of and improve as a result and then you see him kind of create this you know coaching tree that would move on just similar to how you see with zach taylor um you got uh the biggest name that's interesting is ben mcadoo don't know if he's i don't know if i would have him as the oc specifically this is at least my personal take i'd be fine with it because you're gonna at some point have to blend you can't just run five wide receivers out there. Every play in the NFL, throw the ball 70 times a game. That's what's interesting is that this isn't the Mike Leach offense you're talking about. You know, he ran the ball. I think it was like 50. Uh, I think it was um, Seth Cox at Revenge of the Birds talked about this. They ran the ball 55% of the time. You look at, they've had some explosive running offenses too, because they even know that you're spreading stuff out. Part of the reason they're spreading stuff out is so that they know they can run the football because they get that the NFL is a passing efficiency offense where you pass the ball that helps set up the run. That's exactly what the Rams are doing and why Todd Gurley is so effective is because teams are so worried about we have to be guarding against the pass that they're able to run Todd Gurley for 120 yards and two touchdowns a game because that's how their offense is set up and that's what I loved about Kingsbury versus like a reaching out to a Mike Leach the other names that are out there you've got Stump Mitchell is being considered at least as a running backs coach he may end up getting an OC job if that's what he's looking for he left the Cardinals to take a job with Todd Bowles hoping he could eventually work his way up to an offensive coordinator there the Cardinals are competing with the Buccaneers to get him back. If you, you know, gave him the OC job, he might be out there. The other big name that's been mentioned at least is when Wes Welker, because he and Cliff Kingsbury went way back. They were also teammates, I believe at one point with the Patriots that both were Texas tech guys. Yep. Um, and then the other name that was interesting was Steve Sarkeesian. I'm someone who actually said that Sark was fine for the most part. He just had some issues with injuries, couldn't protect some other stuff. The red zone offense that they had in, uh, was awful for the most part in the last couple yeah. of years partially because they weren't getting the ball to julio jones maybe you don't have that problem but it was no, he's not calling plays here either he's not having any of the drinking issues that seems uh, for the most part but it was just yeah. kind of some of these guys it was interesting because i took a look at the four names that had been mentioned i'm like okay here's the guys that we've had that are and i think that there was um oh there's one more guy i think at least as far as i have to remember as far as the coordinator job for that one but there was like the two names that have kind of even brought up with as far as with guys for cliff were like Okay, there's Spavitol, and then there's Ben McAdoo and Steve Sarkeesian. So it almost kind of feels like to me that a lot of the guys that Steve Kime is reaching out that he knows from his connections in the league and the yeah. guys that Cliff knows in his connections, and they're kind of saying, who's the guy that works best for us and kind of trying to push right. some of these staffs together. That's something that gives me hope if you hire one guy of Cliff's, one guy from Steve, make it work versus, mm-hmm. hey, Steve's giving you his list of guys. You got a couple list of your guys. Okay, well, they're not coming here. At least, well, we'll go with Steve's list of guys instead. My hope is that they'll be able to push it together, and that would be really good to be able to see if that's the one. We know that David Wright, uh, he's the wide receivers coach, he's been let go from the Packers contract. He'll be coming and uh, assumedly joining is kind of what the idea is. He'll maybe be replacing as the wide receivers coach. Uh, the one guy who is obviously staying is Jeff Rogers. Uh, this is a big news for the Cardinals fans because after years of Amos Jones, he kind of finished the season ranked top 11 in special teams. They were great at the end they of the year. They were great at the end of the year. Once you kind of saw that the end where they moved on from you know, a couple of the missed kicks, at least from Phil Dawson, the one that kind of cost Josh Rosen his first NFL game. <laughs> it was, you know, ultimately Terrible. it was a missed kicks, at least for that. I'm not sure you can blame the play calling. Should have put it the ball in Rosen's arm, put him on a bootleg where he rolls out. He can either run for the first down. He could run if he needed to be able to run, if you had to run out of bounds or just, you know, hey, get across the line. It's only two yards to gain if you needed to slide or be able to put him in a play where the linebacker had to cover Rosen. If the linebacker goes for Josh, just pass it out to the tight end perfect play to pick up the first down like it's almost like the spider two wide banana that gruden called instead they do a slow developing handoff draw give them their i don't even want to think i don't even want to think about it 
Uh, so that's what you had, at least for the most part, with each of those. If it wasn't for that kind of a start with Phil Dawson, Cardinals would have been a top 10 special teams unit. Yep. yep. Kirk back next year, as far as with that one. You also have TJ Logan back returning kicks. Farrell Cooper steps forward. Farrell Cooper, a Pro Bowl returner. You're going to see probably a lot of And so keeping Jeff Rogers was a great move for the Cardinals. Cardinals should have a, one of the best special teams in the league next year. You think of the, about the addition. Oh, yeah that they've added um that is probably their strongest unit out of the three right uh the defense yeah. has to get back to Farrell cooper to that unit i saw Farrell cooper yeah. like doing actually like solid punt returns I have no idea why the rams re- released him they, well, just, they, they kind of they kind of had to unfortunately just because of the running back situation like they had to go out and sign cj anderson yeah you know the competition so it, it made sense from a numbers perspective and because there's, they were so loaded with cooks and with the other guys in there yeah, with all i of them. I, I just think like with this, you're gonna get yeah yeah, I just think with this, specifically with this defensive coordinator search, you're able to go to any of these candidates and basically say, you're going to have the right to dictate everything defensively. We're not going to meddle. Your head coach isn't going to be involved. Your head coach primarily, 99% of Cliff Kingberry's responsibilities are on the offensive side. Then that other 1% is, is to lead on game day, right? Yep. The defensive coach owns that unit will have say on every he doesn't really have to answer to anybody in kingsbury to his defense you know he comes across as this cool guy but he's very laid back from what i've heard easygoing players and coaches want to be around them jay glazer wrote an article saying that, that he thinks other coaches will flock to the cardinal staff to be with kingsbury that's kind of the opposite of what we heard from let's say an adam gaze who yeah. has a big oh, yeah. ego <laughs> that can that can turn people away? That's why I think that the the the, the defensive coordinator position I think is going to be one of the more sought after positions in, in the entire NFL for the Arizona Cardinals because they see the talent. You could add Joey Bosa to a unit that that has Chandler Jones, yeah. and you're going to have you're going to rival Denver for the best bookends with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in the NFL. Like out of the gate, like if the Cardinals stay put and they take Bosa. Where they take Quentin Williams, you're just you're gonna have studs up the middle. You're gonna have studs on the outside. That yeah, and you're Patrick gonna have Peterson is if you're keeping. I do believe that right. We'll probably see Patrick Peterson. Once you sing some of these different moves and saying, yeah. "Hey, Pat, we're back to a three-four, and we're putting you back where you're supposed to be. We'll find a partner for you." I think that it's gonna be a little bit easier to pacify him. I think that the big question will be, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Con- the big question is, can you get that contract extension in this mm-hmm. year, or is he gonna say, "I'll wait it out for another year"? Which is and fine. He can do that. Got two years left. Part at least, yeah, he's got two years on his deal. So that'll be interesting because I, I, I don't see this kind of changing a relationship. I think that the fact that Chandler and other people are there, they're, the fact that there didn't seem to be as much buy into Wilkes overall is maybe even DJ Humphreys admitted, it, and you could see it from the team at the very end. It was a hard sell coming back for next year. But I do agree. The other thing that you're right on, I think that's interesting, is I think a lot of these defensive coordinators, if you're talking to them, like this might be Chuck Pagano saying, "Hey, Chuck Pagano, guess what? You might be here for a year, fix the defense, get things right. You might be getting head coach interviews." next year you're absolutely not worry about stuff because we've got our offensive guy at least who's over there is in place it's not like you know you've got a steve wilkes is in place and you're selling the defensive coordinator spot to chuck uh, into chuck pagano knowing your defense is going to be on the field 80 percent of the time yeah, yeah but it's also that you're not like you know you're not going to be able to get promoted over that defensive guy you also know yeah, like, yep. hey, i'm coming in as an offensive guy is the other person that's there i get to have a lot more reign over the defense mm-hmm don't have to have someone else take over the defensive play calling. So there's a benefit that you're going to be able to have there for the Cardinals. And like you said, it's why I'm, uh, I think that we can talk, we'll talk about this when we get to the draft as far as the trading down, but there's a lot of really big positives. If they stay at one, get one of those top two guys, a lot of things you can be able to sell this team on. The one thing I'll reach out as far as for who should be the guy, as far as being hired. And I think we got a couple people are going who would to be- you pick. If you could pick anybody. If I could pick anybody, the guy I would pick, honestly, is the guy who I had as my original like number one pick for the Cardinals job because he did it in the NFL before and he's still out there. He's still taking OC interviews. Would have been Todd Monken. He's taking, he may end up with the Browns and he may be on like the fast track to a head coaching job if he teams up with, you know, Freddie and Baker and that aggressive passing scheme. But he's a guy who's at 52, has a really big... But he, but he, won't, but he won't call plays. No, he won't he's call plays. Somewhere. And that's the thing. Don't you think I that's don't a, want to go to a place that's call plays for yeah. I think that it is a selling point, but if the Cardinals do turn around next year and you've got Monken as a guy who's saying, hey, we're blending the college offense with my highly successful offense that basically took the college playbook and adapted it yeah. for this personnel, you could say you a guy who's not call- guys who aren't calling plays or have been one-year play callers are getting head coaching jobs right now because of their offense. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm shocked he doesn't have a so job yet. That was one of the things of like, yeah, I, I could see that. I think that he'll go to a place where he'd want to call plays, but one of the places, like if he goes to Cleveland, is he going to call plays in Cleveland? Like, wouldn't Freddie Kitchens? Yeah. 
now. Want to call the plays like he did. Jacksonville, uh, I've heard. I've heard Jacksonville be kicking. Yeah, but around. Jacksonville's kicking around. But they're probably going to be going with um, uh, Daryl Bevel's the name I've heard that like he's basically got the job. So he's still going around and interviewing. He's interviewing, I think, even with like other teams that are there and kind of waiting to see what will happen. Maybe, uh, I, I think that it's a possibility. If Arizona decided to say, "Hey, he's still out there. Why don't we just give it a shot and bring it in for that one?" You then get a guy who's at yeah. 52 but has all of these years of college experience overall with you know being under guys like Les Miles working at Oklahoma State. He knows the spread offense like the back of his hand. I think that if you get a guy as your offensive coordinator who meshes with Cliff, who understands kind of the, maybe not necessarily the NFL, maybe he's even just a college guy, but is able to then teach it to those other players on the team and be able to be that teacher so that Cliff can work with the quarterback and on the play design, on the game calling. That's what Cliff can work on. So then someone can be that kind of teacher, kind of enforcer. That's kind of like what Eric the enemy has become essentially for the Kansas City Chiefs is Andy can spend all the time with Pat he wants in the plays and the enemy can kind of see about the run game at the other spot. The one name that the Cardinals did want to interview that would have been perfect but it wasn't going to happen was Mike McDaniel. He's the run game coordinator for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan and their run game was spectacular. You saw like some of the most creative yeah. and well they designed with CJ Beathard where like they drove down the field without a single passing play on their first drive of the game because everything, I think it was like it was a screen game for that one with passes to their fullback designs up the middle. It was, everything was perfect, but he's the right hand man of Shanahan. They're blocking that from transferring, but he had been, kind he's going to be a head coaching candidate here pretty soon. If, yeah, if they yeah, have next year, year they think they can have. Have. yeah, next year, might be because he's already designing plenty of stuff. They may just promote him to offensive coordinator to make him happy for a year, see if they can keep him around for the most part. But that's the type of guy you're looking for is someone who can be that type of creative person and, and uh, you know, say, hey, I got a play of design for this one. Well, let's, let's, let's tweak this a little bit here. And then you kind of have your offensive assistant that's kind of that pro NFL guy. Maybe you're talking about the Ben McAdoo person. That would be that third other person who can kind of adapt that into the NFL within that scheme. That'd be the kind of guy I would go with. John, is there a name that you would have that you would look out for, for that offensive spot? Offensively, man, that's tough because, you know, I, I just put so much stock into cliff and the relationship he's going to have with Josh Rosen. And I, I put it out on Twitter today, Blake, I don't know how critical it is, but I like the idea of getting kind of a savvy former offensive coordinator head coach to pair with him um there isn't one name that really sticks out to me because getting cliff was the big get offensively uh what i would i mind ben mcadoo no and you know he's had success he was on that green bay staff that won a super bowl he's got a rapport i mean he was elevated with the giants and took them to the playoffs um that that's a thing that happened but is he is he toxic in the locker room players hated him i don't know that that giants locker room to me is a little bit is a little bit rough, like you mentioned, as it is. I, I think Stark to me or Sark to me would be an interesting fit because I think he's kind of undervalued now. Uh, I think he and Cliff would get along because they're both former USC guys, briefly for Cliff, but they're <laughs> former offensive minds at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. And um, if if Steve can get Steve Sarkeesian can get his off the field stuff taken care of. Uh, I, I think that would be an okay fit to me. The best, the best fit, I believe to come in here and be the de facto offensive coordinator quarterback coach would be John DeFilippo. Mm-hmm. I, I just yeah. think that I think that much of John DeFilippo and the fact that he had to go into a situation. I almost think that Minnesota was kind of Arizona light this year, right? They have a defensive minded head coach who's kind of a dinosaur. They underachieved clearly not as much as the Cardinals did, they had a scapegoat in John DiFilippo, but you look at John DiFilippo, he is not Mike McCoy. John DiFilippo is highly thought of in, around the NFL circle. John Middlecoff, who I respect, speaks highly of him. Everybody just assumed that it was his fault, but at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins can't get along with a lot of people. DiFilippo comes from that Frank Wright, uh, Peterson tree. Um, and so I, I just, I'm, I'm in the opinion that you have to surround Josh Rosen with as many smart offensive minds as you can, just like they did with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia when they had Doug Peterson and Frank Wright and John DeFilippo all on the same staff. And he was, he was borderline the MVP of the league before he got hurt. I think if you get John DeFilippo, you come in and you say, okay, we're going to rebrand your image. You're not going to call plays. Cliff's going to call plays. And you're going you're gonna to benefit from what's going on with Josh Rosen. You're going to be his de facto you know, 1A, 1B with Cliff, number one guy offensively. And then from there, I think he could parlay that into a future head coaching position because if you look at where he was last offseason, he was, he was the hot name in this offseason that was going to have an opportunity to get head jobs. It didn't work out. 
for whatever reason, uh, again, I think it was more what's going on with Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. I think he was used as the scapegoat. Their offense didn't really set the world on fire uh, after Filippo left. Uh, but I just there hasn't been anything out there that that he's even interviewing for jobs. I, I I think that he's somebody that it could be a savvy pickup for for a team that is looking for a guy on, on the on the upswing. I think the Cardinals very similar to Cliff. They, they got him when everybody just assumed his stock was low. I think they could do the same with somebody like John DeFilippo. As for the defensive coordinator, Blake, the more I think about it, the more I like Chuck Pagano. The more I think that if you if you were to bring in Chuck Pagano on this team, um, with the respect he has really around the league, he's 58 years old. Is he going to get another head coaching job? Maybe, but I mean, like, I don't, I don't think so with the way the league is trending. But I, I just think it, okay, he, he, he had a very nice career in, in Indianapolis before his final season of four and 12, he was 53 and 43. He is a, a very strong willed individual. He beat cancer. Um, he's somebody again, that has the respect of, of a lot of players around the league savvy in the secondary. He was a secondary coach for Baltimore before being elevated to their defensive coordinator position in, in 2011 that won the Super Bowl. Uh, and you remember how good that Ravens defense was, um, and so I, I just think that he's the perfect guy to come in and say, Hey, Cliff, been a head coach before. I know how this goes. And then again, if you want to bring in Ben McAdoo offensively, it's not my, my cup of tea, but you at least you have two former head coaches, Blake on the staff, um, to, to help Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that that's the goal. Uh, Vance Joseph again would be great. You know, I, the, the rest of these guys to me, I think it's just, I don't know if it's white noise. I, I I'm not sure about Don Capers. He hasn't um, he hasn't officially interviewed yet. Um, Stump Mitchell to me would be great to bring him back just because David had his best year when Stump was here in 2016. That was David's borderline MVP season. If you're able to coop him back uh, from that Jet staff that let everybody go, I think that would be uh, a good get. Wes Walker to me, I mean he one of the the better receivers of this decade in terms of from the slot position. I think that that would be that would be fine. I mean, like I, it's going to sound arrogant to say, Blake, I am not concerned about the offense because I think that much of Cliff Kingsbury, if you compare Cliff Kingsbury with a savvy defensive coach, I think the Cardinals are going to be rocking and rolling for the next couple of years, just like what we saw with Kansas city and Los Angeles. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I think flip would be fascinating. I, I still wonder if he's going to try to take a play call job. Some of you even suggested like he like, you know, goes to USC or takes over for the Titans. I could job. see that. See, um, but it is a spot of if you're going to say, "Hey, this is a guy that we do know that Steve Kime had his eye on for a long time." There was a connection there. Did bring him in for the interview, and as far as with the work, if you're looking for a guy to basically say, "Hey, we're going to take what is NFL concepts that work, blend it with a lot of the college and spread stuff," and if someone who needs to focus on quarterback fundamentals, that that basically sounds like it's a great job to me. I think it's a it's aiming really really high because after he's been an offensive coordinator, even after he's been fired. Um, I think that the team, at least for, I think that there's going to be a lot of people will still think uh, quite a bit of him, especially since it seems like there's a lot of different issues that are going on in Minnesota. Uh, let's go ahead. And, uh, I, I do think we're going to go over some of the questions that we had. We had some awesome questions. At least a lot of people have really been curious. Um, we'll also talk with some of the questions. A lot of them seem to figure out about with players and also with scheme and how the scheme is going to basically fit with this new type of offense. The first thing that we have is from a uh, teaching agent, Jeff at teaching agent. How do you guys see the arc of the Rosen evolution with Kingsbury as the new head coach? Setting aside the dust of all the comments, you know, with Murray and everything, what, how do you think this offense will do in terms of Josh Rosen's strengths? Josh, I'll send that to you. What will be the biggest strength? Because I've got a couple of ideas, at least, of how I know it. it's going to be mine, but I wanted to hear your thoughts first. With Kingsbury and Rosen, I think you're going to see a lot of precision passing. I think you're going to see Rosen get outside the pocket, move a little bit. I think we're going to see those quick, easy throws to get him in the rhythm that he needs to be in. Uh, very similar to what's going on with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. I think that you're going to see Josh Rosen become more comfortable as the season goes on because he's going to have a better concept, a grasping of the concept offensively. But I think that we're going to see creativity in the passing game with David Johnson like we did with Bruce Arians, not that Stone Age offense we saw last year. It's going to be explosive. It's not completely, they call it the air raid offense with Mike Leach, where it's so heavy on the passing game. You know, Kingsbury had a couple thousand yard rushers uh, at Texas Tech. So he believes in the run game. He thinks it's important, clearly. But at the same time, we're going to see explosive plays. Nobody had more explosive plays, I think, during Kingsbury's 
tenure at Texas Tech. Anybody else in the country, I think, of plays over 15 yards, which yeah, bodes 534 well. of all of them since 2014, most in the NCAA. That's from the PFF Cardinals account for that one. And then also explosive passing play on like 10% of all plays. So when you're talking about what the Cardinals' identity is as far as yep. what Bruce Arians brought, what you saw with Warner and whatnot, you're getting back to that. There's going to be explosion. I, I think of the Chiefs and Rams spreading teams out for that one so you can find the mismatches using misdirection speed. The Bears used a lot of misdirection this year. It's going to be more similar to those offenses. And what's interesting also is that despite the fact that he didn't have a lot of offensive line talent because the ball is getting out of the hands quicker, hitting guys in rhythm and in stride. And you're also going to be looking at a lot of the, the new actual, the biggest thing I know that we, I even talked about with you, John was RPOs was a huge thing in the NFL. Now it's a huge thing. Yeah. In, what you did and saw with Josh Rosen was he was nails in a run pass option. Even though you talked about the pro option, I remember, I think it was um, pro football focus said like when he had the run pass option, because it was a predetermined kind of read where it was, he would basically just be able to go ahead and know whether to pull the ball in and be able to hit the guy in stride. That was what kind of Peyton Manning made a lot of his living with plays to the tight ends down in the stretch. And that was a lot of what he did during his, I think it was at Virgil green, even with Demarius Thomas, they basically used a lot of those things to pull the linebackers down so you could create space. A lot of the same type of concepts we saw somewhat with Bruce Arians. The difference, of course, was Arians was focusing on deep seven-step drops, and the routes would get way downfield. You're going to be seeing a combination of the quick passing game at a lot of just multi-level, multi-layer levels. A lot of those are going to be basically timing routes in areas where Rosen's going to be able to have you know guys who are open, guys who are schemed open, separation. He's not going to have the number one most difficult passes to make in the NFL anymore moving forward is what you're hoping with, at least as far as with Kingsbury. And there's going to be a lot of uh, things where it's going to be really important who these wide receivers are going to bring in and also who the tight ends are is going to be interesting as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. I just, the, the creativity, I think, is what I'm so excited for because mm-hmm. we've seen so much uh, lack of creativity for lack of a better phrase with, with what we saw with Steve Wilkes and how he's, he and his staff set offense back about 20 years. Um, so I'm anxious to see the Cardinals just sign a wide receiver, uh, from the CFL, Bryant Mitchell, uh, mm-hmm. quick receiver, I think had about 800 plus yards in the CFL with a couple touchdowns, average 14.5 receptions, uh, and surpassed hundred yards four times, uh, and went to Northwestern state, uh, the Cardinals, I think, are going to flood that receiving core and yeah. see what sticks. Uh, you know Cliff Kingsbury likes to go four and five wide receiver. Biggest question for me is can they protect up front? You can scheme for an offensive line. The prior coaching staff didn't know how I'll give Bruce Arians and, uh, and his staff credit. That offensive line was probably below average majority of his tenure, and he schemed toward his strengths, was able to get the most out of those units. We'll see if Cliff can do that. And I think that the short passing game plays a large part in that to get it out quickly. Cardinals do not have an offensive line right now that can dominate up front, that can impose their will, and so they're going to have to get smart schematically, and they know that. That's why that brought in Kingsbury to be able to move the football. And I think the short intermediate passing game that Rosen excels at will be the biggest thing, getting him in a rhythm, getting him comfortable because I mean, let's be honest, like the end of the year last year, he was seeing ghosts. Yeah. Hit more than any QB over the course of his 12 weeks starting. Um, but I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit. He he's tough as hell did not go down, did not miss a game. We saw Josh Allen miss time. He stood in there and took the beating and was there until the final snap of the season. I think he earned a lot of respect around the locker room and around the league because there was there were skeptics coming out yep. that said he was injury prone and he took a beating last year. And I think that he's earned this opportunity to break out with with somebody like Kingsbury. And I think that finally, like you mentioned earlier, he's going to have consistency offensively for the first time in a long time. How many years straight has he had a different offensive coordinator? I think it's every year dating back to high school. Uh, yeah. So senior high school through this past season, he's had a new offensive coordinator. So it's exciting for him. I'm excited for Josh because, you know, if you, if you hire like a Jim Caldwell at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know how excited Josh Rosen would be. You have to find somebody. And we, we heard this uh, from Michael Bidwell. Josh Rosen was, he wasn't part of the coaching search, but they kept him in the loop. And I like that. I think that's the new NFL where you've got these star quarterbacks you got to keep them happy and you got to make sure that they mesh with the head coach. And you've seen that deter a little bit with Aaron Rodgers firing right. his, his quarterback coach. He didn't get along with Mike McCarthy. They got him out of town. They know how important this relationship is with Kingsbury and Rosen, and they're going to make sure that it prospers and that he wanted his guy. And I think that Kime loved him, 
Rosen clearly has a will have a good rapport with him. I think that was enough for Michael Bidwell to sign yeah, off the, on the, on the, the personalities. I think are very much meshing, like because when you see Josh talk and you hear Cliff talk, it's like it, it's very similar as far as there's this mental aspect. There's this kind of deep thinking side of it. It's not like there's this bombastic. Like it's, it's, uh, the, Cliff Kingsbury is not Bruce Arians, but there's this calmness. This kind of like I've got this kind of like control. I mean, we've talked about his deep voice for that one. There's, Part of the reason why people believe he wasn't going to be an NFL guy, at least someday it's just a little sooner than he expected, was just because there was that type of, you know, he's not a guy who's like going to get out in front of the boosters. He joked about like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll flirt with the moms sometimes, at least. At least. You know, he's a good-looking guy is what everyone keeps saying. That's like the number one thing. I, if, I, if I have to hear one more time, the people are just like, you know, comparing him to Ryan Gosling. But it's that type of where there's a lot of similarities because when people talked about how, you know, with Peyton Manning and Larry Fitzgerald, people said, hey, maybe Peyton when, and Fitz, if he comes to Arizona back in 2012, because they view the game the same way. They process the game the same way. I think that's at least true of Cliff and Rosen. But moving into some of the scheme, another question that we're going to have. Um, this is one that I think is interesting is with the draft um, from at Huey90. said, tight ends completed only four receptions for Texas Tech in 2018. Is Cliff yeah. going to adjust to fit with the NFL, or is he going to stick with four wide receivers? Do the Cardinals have the ability to pull that off? This is, I think, one of the most interesting parts because it reminds me a lot of just getting back to how Todd Monken with the Buccaneers, how did they take a college type of offense with a scheme and that spread and make it work? And the answer is that they basically had O.J. Howard. Hybrids. And they used a hybrid because he was able to stand in and block and get downfield and be able to catch. Yeah. That was the biggest thing was that they were able to run 11 personnel with three wide receivers and have a hybrid, a guy who could stay in and block or be able to go out. So if your quarterback's going to get like, you know, if you're running a spread offense with five wide receivers and they say, hey, we're going to blitz a guy. Are you, oh, cool. There's a guy who's like going to be wide open, who's vacating the blitz. It's hard to do that in the NFL for two reasons. One of them is because you need tight ends for special teams mm-hmm. is a huge reason why. The other is because the way that the game and the mismatches work, it's, you can run wide receivers up against those guys. But Josh, you still have to have a guy who can stand and block in both the running game and the passing game. I think or, it was more a testament of the lack of talent on Texas Tech, frankly. A lot of it was that too. But it's also interesting because, you know, in Texas Tech and how that works in the NFL, you can run those wide receivers out because your quarterback's not going to take as many hits just because of how it's designed. Like if you're going to blitz a guy in the Big 12, good luck because he's going to be there. In the NFL, you have guys who are going to blitz and they're going to scheme a bit differently. I do think that it's not going to be as much of like having eight wide receivers in the Cardinals. I think you'll have about maybe seven or so this year. But just because of how the league is structured, I think you're going to be looking at hybrid tight ends. A guy who clearly comes to mind is going to be Caleb Wilson, hybrid okay. tight end. I, just, I was just about to say that. Okay. Yep. You've got a bunch of these Iowa tight ends. It's a really good class for both blocking tight ends, which the Cardinals need a lot of, and for some of the path catchers. Very good class. I think that they're going to probably be one of those teams that end up with a couple of hybrid guys. It's yeah, also why I've said, like, looking at once someone asked, this is another question that we had also. I think the Cardinals don't have the players to pull it off with right now, but I do think you'll see Ricky Seals-Jones. He was super excited. If he can just catch the ball a bit better, he's one of those hybrid tight ends. You yeah. already have starting block. They're going to scheme him open, and he's got the athletic yeah. ability, I think, to produce. We saw that with, with, Bruce, like that. with yeah. Bruce Arians the year before. Uh, you get him a competent NFL coach, he can be a mismatch. But, yeah, you mentioned it, Blake. It, it, there's no excuse to get a tight end this year, to not get a tight end, excuse me, in this draft. It's the strongest tight end draft that I can remember. And yeah, Caleb Wilson jumps to mind, had over 900 yards and four touchdowns on a bad UCLA team last year. Had an incredible... Because he, they could not cover him for that ASU. No. And it yeah, kept, he's, working, kept going toward it. He had an incredible rapport with Josh Rosen. I, I just, I think that is just makes too much sense. I think he's projected as like a second round pick at this point. I think that a little, be- little lower. I think that you might be able, because this this class is so deep and because of the defensive players. A lot of people are saying he'll probably be there in day three because of the athletic. Really. Uh, and also because he's only about 250 pounds so you're not yeah, looking he's at not, he's not overly big he's not, that, he's not that typical now the one thing that is interesting to this one as far as what the tight ends are concerned and this is kind of getting into another question that we can touch on here and i'll, I'll start with this part is um where are the cardinals going to go at as far as with fixing the wide receiver position like some mm-hmm. of the skill position players like you're looking at the is there dk metcalf nikhil harry for those guys um, Metcalf smoked TTU this year. The one that was interesting, they also mentioned this is from at the real AIDS boy, Aiden Lasseter. Well, that's a, that's a name for you right interesting there. Interesting name there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He talked about Noah Font, the tight end of Iowa. And this is an interesting name to you because he's kind of that hyper athletic, dual threat blocking. 
blitzing tight end who just will maul people in the run game and be open in the passing game. You've seen a lot of these Iowa tight ends like George Kittle. There's another partner that he has there. Some of those tight ends um, are, and even I think Irv Smith at Alabama, he's declared for the draft this year now. You're going to have a lot of these guys who are these big, large maulers. It would not surprise me if the Cardinals, maybe they end up using a trade back at number one. Maybe they trade back in that second round pick. But if that top of the second round pick isn't a wide receiver and it's a tight end, that might not surprise me if it's one of those guys is there because no. that might be perfect fit for cliff to be able to say hey this is a guy i can use as a wide receiver in my you know spreading it out in the wide and they can stand and block for that one as far as that too that wouldn't surprise me at all if that would be the pick versus wide receiver despite the need that the cardinals have well i, I do think they're going to address the receiving core in free agency and i think if larry fitzgerald is not back i could see them going out and signing like a golden tate to come in and produce uh he's going to be I think close to 30 years old if he's not 30 already. Um, but he's somebody I think that's going to get a lot more money than you think on the open market. Let me just check this real fast. Yeah, uh, be, he is 30. He is 30. He'll be 31 by the time next year starts. Um, but you, you can bring him in, hopefully get a couple of years out of him. I do think Larry Fitzgerald is going to come back. So you, you assume that Larry's coming back to, to play within the slot. You've got Christian Kirk, who's ascending, I think, to could be a pro bowl. Outside kind of guy. Yeah, pro bowl receiver. So the Cardinals probably need one more big physical wide receiver to play on the outside and a speed guy. Um, so I, I could see them doing a couple different things. Like I, I'm, you know me, I'm not a big proponent of um, drafting receivers super early, unless you've got a transcendent talent like an AJ Green or Julio Jones. I would stay away from receivers on the first day, day two. If you've got somebody that you really, really like, fine. But with with all the issues this team has, Blake, on the offensive line, on the yeah. defensive line, at linebacker, I just I am I'm old school. I think the, the the league is one within the trenches up front. I think you cannot be competitive with a with a subpar defensive and offensive line. And I think that you can find receivers on day three to complement receivers like Larry Fitzgerald and and, and Christian Kirk. I think sure. that you especially need to find, with what you're looking for. It might be very yeah. different. And the Cardinals have a ton of draft picks this year, especially late on day three. They've got the extra pick they got for Bruce Arians. They've got they multiple six rounds. But if they needed to in the fourth round and wanted to get I, an extra absolutely. I think, I think, round, but if you wanted to move up for a certain guy, you got a little bit of ammo. But. I think I think they're going to trade down from one uh, and within the top 10, they're going to get more picks. I just I think that receiver to me, it's a need. Trust me. It's probably if you rank them, it's probably right behind offensive line. But in terms of you know, how, does it result in wins in the NFL? I'm, I'm not sure. But I think that at the end of the day, if Larry comes back, you're in decent shape because I, I have that much respect for Cliff and what he's going to be able to scheme up. But you got to get the offensive line fixed first. But I do agree. I think receivers going to get addressed not only in free agency, but in the drafts. Yep. The model that you're looking for is if you're going to take a look at which teams you're looking at, the model you're looking for is between the Rams and the Chiefs and how they built their teams. They didn't have the big, large type of targets. They do have the big slot guy. Like if you're looking Go find at, your Robert Woods in free agency. Yeah, That's what you find a Robert. Yeah. Find that type of guy is what you're looking for. But the way that that team functions, honestly, as far as for both those teams is they've got Gerald Everett at tight end. They used um, either Cooper Cup essentially as their slot receiver as that kind of big tight end receiving threat. It was kind of that guy who would play on those different type of long clearing routes both those teams and then Travis Kelsey is the guy with the Chiefs as far as receiving that's kind of where it'll kind of begin and maybe they'll put Larry Fitzgerald into that type of a role but I think that's where it'll begin and as far as for how it works I think you might be able to get by a tackle for a year but I agree with you if you have a tackle that's there at the end of the first round you're in round two and you've got a tackle sitting there I'd go ahead and embrace that and take that guy because you don't know where you're going to be as far as left tackle next year but the offensive line to build that through free agency. That's part of, I think what we talked about is kind of has to be the plan from the inside out, starting with the center and the guard positions, looking at just the wide receivers that are there. I think you're not going to be looking at a Nikhil or Harry in this type of an open spread offense, because I just don't think, I mean, it fits Rosen as far as the type that you'd look for, as far as guys on the outside, I think you're going to be probably looking at more of the speedsters and guys who are there. One of the names that was interesting, um, Bo Brock, at least of the, the Kenny and crash in the drive show, he talked about Antoine Wesley, who is a 6'5", 200-pound wide receiver. He's kind of a in-between route that you can go up and get it. He was the wide receiver at Texas Tech for Cliff Kingsbury. He's already going to know the scheme and the system. Probably goes as far as maybe on day three. There might be one of those type of guys that you could just say, hey, that seems to make a whole lot of sense this year. Other guys you could take a look at would be Hollywood Brown, obviously, is the one of the big names as far as, you know, looking at the Steelers and their deep threat wide receivers. He's like an all-around type of threat. He's probably the guy we wanted John Brown to be 
would be a good way to compare some as far as that speed to open things up for that. Like if you pair Josh Rosen with him and then you're talking about Christian Kirk, wow, you're going to have a lot of that speed and that big 12 speed. And speaking of the big 12, um, just kind of to throw it out there. If it was me, I would take a page out of the bears notebook and I would look to the college ranks to bring in my offensive line coach. Like they did last year with Notre Dame with all those top picks. I would take a look at saying, Hey, I know you've been across the side from me, Bill Benenbaugh, the offensive line coach and also co-offensive coordinator at University of Oklahoma. We got Cody Ford and some other guys coming to this draft. You got, you know, a huge left right tackle we talked about with Orlando Brown. Hey, you want to come up to the pros and be able to be an offensive line coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals? I would be open to saying, like, steal a page out of their book, see if you can get that guy up to the pro level and have that be kind of the guy to help fix your offensive line. And hey, if Cody Ford ends up being a high round pick that you have there, they got another couple of other tackles that you could, you know, have a pipeline that's potentially there as well. I, I don't know if there's any other thoughts you have as far as that, John, but I think the wide receiver, it's going to be maybe a two-year fix. It was a two-year fix for the Rams to be able to kind of make that trade for Brandon Cooks. Maybe that's what you'll see the Cardinals having in 2020. Uh, let's get to, we got a couple more questions here before we kind of get out of here. Uh, Riker Elay, uh, he's talking and saying, how much impact draft do you think that Cliff will have since he's been in college and recruited a lot of these guys? I think that it's going to be moderate because I think it's going to be kind of saying, here's what you're looking for for your scheme. Let's draft guys and put them into what you're looking for. And then also with free agency. Um, I think Kime is going to be more in charge of free agency. I think they'll try to fit guys into the offensive scheme and then, I'd say for the three, four, you're probably going to say whoever your coordinator is, you're clearly going to say, here's our type of guy we look for, for the Cardinals and kind of draft into that spot. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to tell him the kind of players he needs that fit his scheme. I think Steve probably already knows that at this point, they've identified if they've got those individuals on the roster, but he's not, I mean, if he's in the draft room, he's not telling Steve who to pick Steve. Steve's going to pick the players. Steve's picking his defensive coordinator. If you think he's picking his players, I mean, that's, I think he's going to say, here's my scheme. This is what I need to run it. And, and Steve's going to go out and hopefully find players that fit that. Um, because I think at the end of the day, Steve is, has a lot of control. Clearly he has more control than I think a lot of people thought in this organization. And so um, I think they're going to work well together because I think that Cliff at some point, hopefully he'll be able to challenge him like Bruce did. And I think that's when you kind of get the best of, of both worlds. But early on, it's going to be Cliff saying, okay, I need, this for my X receiver. I need this for my Y. I need this for my tight end, blah, blah, blah. Give me some offensive linemen that can do, you know, zone pulling or whatever that, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then hopefully Kime can go out and execute. Um, and I think that's when, where Kime is best at is in uh, clearly not the draft, but in free agency when he's able to identify those players, specifically players who are released, get those one year contracts going. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see kind of the rapport. Again, this could be a train wreck. This could be fireworks. We don't know, but it's, I think it's going to be interesting. Yep, definitely. All right, and then uh, let's close it out tonight, at least for that one. It's been a, a long show, a lot to talk about and go over, obviously. A lot of excitement that we'll have going forward with the Cliff era. I think I, I even came up with an idea overall for, it's not an air raid scheme that you'll be running because you're not throwing the ball 70% of the time. Um, so if you're thinking of the air raid in World War II, I'm like, hey, what about a uh, what about a Cliff's Krieg <laughs> or just something like that's the type of offense you're running is incorporating yeah. a lot of air raid offenses, but you're still running the ball and you're still pushing that. So I think that would be very interesting. Last question that we have for tonight, and this is kind of touching on more of the draft, which we'll get into in the future at least, mm-hmm. uh, as well as kind of looking at more of the rest of the uh, kind of around the NFL with some of the other areas. Um, right now, off the top of your head, if it was your choice with that one, would you take Bosa at one? Oh, or great question. And if you're going to trade down, what's the team going to be? Now, we're going to have months to talk about this for the most part. Now, we're not trading down for anyone. We're not trading down with – we're not trading Rosen or anything with Kyler Murray. Like, that was kind of – it's interesting to think about. The only thing that Kyler is different about is that he can scramble a lot more and run a lot more. You're still going to see Uh, Rosen athleticism used. Kyler Murray's 5'9", by the way. Yeah, like those, 180 pounds. Yeah, it's like, that's, like come on, guys. Let's get let's let this is let's get yeah. serious. If people even, if come, he, even if he is a Russell Wilson, ends up kind of lasting at least in those parts. Yeah, let's come on, guys. It'd be crazy because he's got the army. But each of the different steps you're looking at, it's like the only difference between him and Rosen, honestly, is the fact that Kyler's probably going to be able to pick up a little bit more yards scrambling for that one than Rosen will. That's that's probably going to be about it. He'll pick up more yards rushing there's advantages to that that you can see, but is there advantages enough to say, Hey, we're going to go ahead and, you know, sell off Josh Rosen for what, even the cost of people had talked about as far as trade bait is you're probably like, would you get a 
a higher pick than what you drafted Rosen with after that first year, you're probably not. You might be, you get kind of a haul, but you're still taking on his contract and dead money. You're starting over again with a rookie quarterback and you're passing on one of these, you know, top defensive players that's overall. So yeah. that's the question to you. Uh, you I love it. I love this question. If you're going to trade down, what would be I'm the tra- I'm trading down. Everybody know I put it on Twitter. I'm trading down. We need more picks. We need better players. I'm trading down within the top 10. And I'm trading with the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders, it's being reported by John Middlecoff, tried to trade Derek Carr at the trading deadline. I believe they will trade him this offseason to a team like Jacksonville, to a team like the Giants, to get that money. He's getting paid almost like close to $30 million next year, something crazy like that. They want to start over. They want... Um, a franchise quarterback that's on a rookie contract. They want Dwayne Haskins. They want to come up to number one. So I said, come on up, Oakland Raiders. We'll drop down to four. The Oakland Raiders are going to take uh, Dwayne Haskins at number one. The, the Niners and the Jets back-to-back need edge rushers. They're going to go Boson, Josh Allen back-to-back. The Cardinals at number four are going to get one of the best players, if not the best player in this draft, Quinnen Williams at number four that they could have taken at number one overall. Oh, and by the way, they're also going to have pick i believe 25 24 in the chicago bears because 24 because that's where the oakland raiders are because the three seed bears lost in the wild card round and with the 24th pick in the draft i am going best available offensive lineman whether that's center whether that's guard whether that's tackle then you come out of this draft in the first round with two first round picks both on the, the offensive defensive line, which are huge concerns. And who knows, you might get the best guard in this draft. You might get the best center in this draft to pick number 24, but you've got two immediate starters that are going to help this team uh, much more than another edge rusher would. I would re-sign Marcus Golden. I would re-sign Dayon Buchanan. I'd get that group back together, even if it's on a series of one-year contracts, and I, I, could, I would see what they can do. You might even be able to get a little bit more other than that first-round pick, but if you got back-to-back first-round picks and you stay in the top four, you get two immediate impact starters. Even if Joe, even if Dwayne Haskins is a Hall of Famer, uh, which I, you know, who can predict those kind of things? Even if Joey Bosa is a stud, the Cardinals have so many needs right now. I'm not saying trade down to the point where you're losing value in, in, in players. Still ensure yourself you're going to have to rank it on your draft board that you're getting a premium prospect at a position of need. But man, if you can add two impact players on day one and then start day three and you can go, we can go BPA at wide receiver. We can go BPA, you know, tight end. Like we talked about, maybe get another number two corner, maybe go offensive line again. In my opinion, this has to be a meat and potatoes draft up front for the Cardinals because that's where winning starts. Yeah. And I think that for me, I've kind of come around to the fact where the only team I would trade down is the Oakland Raiders. That's the only team. I have no problem with that. And if it's the Jaguars trying to trade up, some people like in the top 10, you'd have to do a little bit of work to talk me into that because I feel like if there's about four or five-ish impact players in this draft that could be instant impact players, the Raiders are the easiest team to be able to say because they've got that extra first-round pick. Now, I still think that because of how two it of, is with two of them, two of them, they have three first-rounders. Oh, yeah, three first-round picks, yeah. So it's the latter pick because I don't see them wanting to give up their second pick unless Gruden just decides to, you know, get a little bit too crazy or there's this desperation. Well, they've got their pick, they've got Chicago's pick, and they've got – the Cowboys, Cowboys pick. Yes. So they got two picks in the twenties, which I would, I would take 20. one of the, I would take either. Even if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, I would take the 32nd pick in the draft. Yeah. Because you'd also have back-to-back picks. The other thing that yeah. would be fascinating, this would be interesting. Let's, let's, uh, let's say if you got the 32nd pick in the draft, you have the 32nd pick and the second pick in the first round, you could trade back from both of those picks. Someone would trade yep. up for a Kyler Murray at 32. Someone would trade up to the top of the first round. You'd be able to get, you know, day two or three picks for, for days. If you wanted to, you could, you could own have, day two. If you wanted to, that would help you maybe turn around by infusing talent faster. Now the downside, of course, as we talked about is it's Steve Kime making those picks. Some people have said they didn't want <laughs> that to be the case. That's just the reality of the situation. That's yeah. part of why I've leaned towards saying the only team I would trade back with would be the Raiders if the Raiders move up to one because you're still staying in the top four. You're still going to be able to get one of those elite guys. And I think that if you're looking at that one, because someone is taking a quarterback at the first pick, that means that you're guaranteed, guaranteed one of Bosa, one of Quinn and Williams, or one of Josh Allen, who's a guy who I think might be kind of, if you're going to compare him to him, a player in the NFL right now, might be that second coming of Chandler Jones. Uh-huh. That would be the, the one place I'd move back. I wouldn't move out of that top four because I feel like that getting an instant impact guy on the defensive line to be able to rush, that will help solve a lot of the offensive problems that you had this year. The Cardinals had people running the football, but if you're moving back to a 3-4, people are forgetting already. Corey Peters is already that anchor at a nose tackle. 
you already just kind of need to get one more impact defensive lineman and who can also rush the passer, whether that's Quinnen or Bosa or even Allen. I would have no problem with that. I think that you get that guy. Some people are going to look at Jonah Williams. I think that I'm more of a person who, if you take him, he'd be a stalwart guy, but I don't know if he's that guy who, I think he's a top 10 guy. Maybe he's even a top five left tackle. He'll be solid. But I think that there's just enough limitations in this game, but I don't see that Trent Williams. I, I don't totally agree. I, totally agree. And you're kind of like almost, it's a little bit maybe of a reach. If you traded back with the Jaguars at seven, then you'd kind of feel a little bit more comfortable with that. But I think you'd be passing up on a superior talent if you took him that high. So I would say I'd have no problem with that. That being said, because the Niners don't need a quarterback, because uh, the team, the Jets don't need a quarterback, the Raiders need a quarterback, they may be content to try to say, hey, we want to try and wait. Or they just say, they'll be the same move that the Chicago Bears did a few years ago. They'll trade up with the team with the number two pick. Those teams will flip-flop. I think that the problem for the Cardinals is that because it's going to be a guy like Nick Bosa on the board, or if you view Quinn and Williams as that generational talent, I think it's going to be a cost that's higher to be able to say than it is. I think that you're going to have, because you've got the number one pick in the draft, mm-hmm. it's going to be similar to the Cleveland Browns in 2017. It's going to be a higher cost for you to get to that number one pick than it would be to flip-flop with another team, just like the, the, just like the Bears did to get Mitch Trubisky that year, and then they were able to move back. I think that's what's going to be, make it difficult. So that's why I think that right now, I think I would stay in place. I'd be the one team I'd trade down with. They'd say, hey, we'll give you that extra first-round pick if we move up to the number one spot. Sure, go ahead, take it. I think they're going to try to move into that number two and number three spot and say, hey, we've got another second-round pick at least. Not this year, but like maybe like or give another third-round pick. They've got more picks that they <laughs> could know what to do with because of that. I think they'll try to do a less of a cost to keep those first and try to trade into the second or the third pick, knowing yep. that, so someone's going to have to then offer errors on a boatload for that number one pick knowing hopefully that's the case, but I think that cost is going to be a little bit high. And the fact that you do get a Kyler Murray entering the draft, some team maybe will like him and wait. The fact that you're going to have a Drew Locke who's going to maybe go mid first. And then with Dwayne Haskins declaring, I think there's enough quarterback staggered out now. It's not just, there's one Dwayne Haskins that people take Drew Locke into the first Kyler's addition is a benefit to the Cardinals in that sense. It's also a detract now. Let's say Kyler is still on the board. He's not going to go in round two at all because of that fifth year contract option. But I would be at the position right now. I'm staying put. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. If you're going to say, oh, you're staying put and you're taking Nick Bosa, or if you're saying, hey, Quinn and Williams, you like him better, sure, go for it. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's the one exception I make. That's what the Browns did a couple years ago when they tried to trade the one more pick and they were like, Miles Miles Garrett's the best player in this draft, and he's Mm -hmm. a stud already. If Nick Bosa can turn into 90% of Miles Garrett, I mean, Chandler Jones is great. He's not going to be great forever. And by the time this, this team's ready to compete, hopefully for playoffs and whatever championships, God hope Chandler Jones is probably either going to be on the end of his career. He's going to be gone. So if yep. you're able to, to, to reel in a stud pass rusher, that's got all the tools that we have heard from everybody that we trust, and the Blake, motor, all the tools, the motor transcendent talent. I have no, I have no problem with it. It just, to me, it's just concerning because it, the rebuild, I think, could be escalated quicker with more picks, obviously. But like you mentioned, you got to hit on them. That's the biggest yep. question mark. And you don't want to you don't want to be at the point where you're trading back for just the sake of trading back because you feel like yeah. you have. To. If you're adding more adding more picks for that one is fine, but then you start missing on more of those picks, and that's what I think the hard thing is. Is like you want to balance out that finding talent, bringing and infusing young talent, and balance that out with making smart choices and being able to have like that's where I would say hey, I take both at least unless someone offers like the moon where it's a stupid amount or the Raiders trade at least for the most part. And even if someone's going to trade the moon, at least for Nick Bosa, it'd be really hard for me to justify if they're like, Hey, well, because it's like, Hey, we'll give you, you know, three first round picks. Say if you're number one, well, then you're going to have to listen, obviously, but I don't think this is going to be that type of draft for people are going to offer that. So right now I think for the Cardinals, I would just say, Hey, run to the podium, take Bosa by the time that Chandler Jones contract is done and out, it'll be time to pay Nick. If he's going to be that type of talent. And, and Josh. Have, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Well, that's going to be a whole other thing. But then you're going to be right at the middle where you say, hey, we've got those building blocks in place that you have as far as yep. the sides of each other. The defense is going to have, you know, if teams are going to double Chandler Jones, they won't be able to do that anymore. You've got another guy on the edge. You can seal some of these quarterbacks. I think it would be kind of a, a huge benefit. And the fact that the Cardinals did get the number one pick to make that choice, I think is a think is of, special. Think about the personalities on this team that if you take Nick Bosa, Bosa, oh Kings. Kingsbury, Rosen. I mean, like the Cardinals could be in play. No, they're not. Are they in play for Hard Knocks? They're not. They're not, they're not in play because they have a first-year head coach, so they're not in play for Hard Knocks. Twenty twenty. If they end up coming back and they're like that eight yeah. and eight, someone's going to want them. So that's the. It'd be, if they would have kept Wilkes, they could have been in Hard Knocks. 
Yeah, but I, I, I don't think you would have wanted. They would have like extended right, another benefit, benefit of firing Steve Wilkes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, 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 yep. To wrap up draft talk, I, I just think that you know, with the shortage of quarterbacks and the teams that need them, specifically in the top ten. I think there's going to be a market. We'll see if, if Oakland trades Derek Carr, it's a, I think it's a guarantee they're moving up for Dwayne. But if they don't and they hang on to him, you're going to have to talk yourself into somebody uh, in that second or third tier, Blake, probably second tier, if you're going down with a Jacksonville or, or a Giants. Now, would you accept a package, and I don't want to go too long with this here, similar to what the Rams got, where you're not only talking about picks this year, but you're talking about future first because with that Giants team, they probably feel like with the talent they have with Beckham and Saquon Barkley, the money that they've spent on Nate Solder and some of these key players defensively, they probably feel like we can if we get a competent quarterback, we can compete now. We don't need future picks. If if you they bundled a package similar to what the Rams got, where you're talking about two additional first round picks in in the next two drafts, is that something you would consider? I would probably, honestly, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I would lean toward no, usually because the team sure. that is trading down never usually gets in return what the other team is trading up for. You want to take a look at the Carson Wentz trade with everything. The players that stand out for the Carson Wentz trade are, uh, for the Browns, you got Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got Carson Wentz on one side. On the other side, it's Jabril Peppers for the Browns. And they got their, uh, they eventually traded one of the picks that turned into uh, the number four overall pick where they got their st- starting cornerback. So really what ended yeah. up happening is, okay, you could have taken the cornerback then at least at two. If you were going to take one that high, it was like a Jalen Ramsey that year. You could have just taken Jalen Ramsey. But, so really all you got was Jabril Peppers. The other seven players that they have are average players at best. You look at the Rams trade that they have. There's basically just from um, just in 2017, there was only two players that were left. Now there's only one. Michael Brockers is like the only player that's left. And he wasn't even like, Brutal. you know, overall for that. Oh, he's an average player. Norris Jenkins left over to the Giants and he ended up being like a solid overall player that was there. Like he's like, he was with his team overall. Like he was, you got a solid cornerback for that one there. But Isaiah Pede's retired out of the league. Rokevius Watkins is out of the league. Edmund Bailey out of the league. Zach Stacy retired. I think one of them, even I think, unless I'm mistaken, at least like lost his leg in a car accident, which is brutal for that one. But the big thing that they had out of that was they, they was like, oh great, we traded down with the Redskins. They got their second overall pick. They took Fred Robinson. Guy was considered to be a can't miss left tackle prospect coming out of at least Auburn. Missed on him. I I don't see a reason to trade back and take a ton of picks for that one because there's okay. enough play miss for that one. I would lean towards saying, hey, if you're going to trade future first, future ones for that one, there's still no guarantee that it's going to be there. Uh, and also, well, Kai may not be making those picks. He probably thinking to himself, why am I getting picks for a future GM if it doesn't work out for me? Yeah, that's one I'm, of the areas. So I'm I, I think, yeah, the big one I also think of is the Browns have done this twice. They also did with the Julio Jones trade. They basically got Josh Gordon and Josh Gordon and all the problems, but you still are talking about the Browns still don't have a number one wide receiver. They had to make another trade for Jarvis Landry this year because they still don't have a number one wide receiver. Meanwhile, Julio Jones leading the read in receptions, yards, and one of the greatest years he's ever seen for wide receiver. Browns could have had him. They did not. Aggressive, I, aggressive wins. Aggressive down. wins. I don't think you trade down from those picks for that one. I think that you try to take talent for that one and take talent where it really matters. Like you're, Oakland, where, Oakland is about as far as you'd go. I, 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 I have no problem with that. Yeah, because I think that there are those, you know, three elite defensive talents that are there. That all about. And it, it just makes it just makes so much sense because they have those two first round picks. Exactly, and that's because then you're saying, okay, well, I'm it's moving this back. year. So getting one of those guys who's there. And you get a pick this year. And that's where I think you're, you're right. I would rather have a bird in the hand, obviously, worth two in the bush. And Nick Bosa, at least that I know I can get, is better than trading a first-round pick for another guy, at least for a yep. future pick. With how it's going to work out, you still are probably going to end up with you know a Marcus Golden at some point on the team in a returning aspect. And we'll see how it goes for the Arizona Cardinals in that regard. But that, that's where I would... Uh, that's where I would really lean at least would just be, I'm not a trade down type of person. I think the other thing is if you're viewing this as a two year turnaround, you're going to be looking at the long-term approach. You're going to be addressing a lot of the needs in free agency, a lot of the talent on this team. Maybe it gets fixed at least with the new head coach in. Uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up for us on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, make sure that if you're listening, you can download us on iTunes. Um, I was also going to mention, John, um, apparently they already have like Cliff Kingsbury shirts that are out apparently. Like they I got need one. one. Give me one. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think there's one. Uh, I actually had a Revenge of the Bird. They posted the article actually for me. Uh, it's the Cardinals with a K for that one. For with Cliff now, the Cardinals are kind of shifting over. I don't, I, I don't know if I feel on that or not. 
I don't know, but here's why it was fun because it's a picture of a cardinal on a shirt with the Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury sunglasses, and I just was died laughing when I saw it. It was like, okay, if we're gonna have to like move on, oh, here the it is. Angle, we can get the uh, the Cliff Kingsbury like as the shade or something like that. It can be kind of the new thing, the new kind of hip young cardinals. I'm like, I'm I'm all for it. So, so great. I know some of those. Yeah, this shirt. I, I would buy this shirt. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I would buy this shirt. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of those things. I'm I'm having to try to pick up, but it's a, it, that's just reminded me of it's a new start. It's a cool, hip, young era. That's what kind of was the thing that came to me. That's where we're at with the Arizona Cardinals. We head off. So again, thank you so much for listening. We had a huge amount of people listen to our pod last week with Ben Albright. Thank you for all of us who continued to listen to the Arizona Cardinals with those news for that one. We hopefully are going to be able to have a little bit more that we'll be able to break. Obviously, as far as with the, the news upcoming for the Arizona Cardinals with their coaches, and as we finally get into the offseason free agency. Draft Talk, plenty to listen to, at least in the off-season for the most part. Listen to us, obviously, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts are out there as well. Uh, we're also on the revengeofthebirdsite.com with the articles that we'll have there. Um, thank you again so much for all of you guys who are keep tuning in, listening week in and week out. Keep sending us those questions using the hashtag. And if you want to talk to us directly, John, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm at Johnny's Football, J-O-H-N-N-Y-S Football. Um, interacting on Twitter with Cardinal fans is why I do this. Uh, I love the community that's out there. We love being able to bring this content to you, hopefully weekly, uh, and having quality content that is not sugar-coated, that you know, cuts to, to, the, to the point, really, and ensuring that we bring you ac- a, um, factual content is important to us. But at the end of the day, we do this for the fans because we – produce content that we think we'd like to hear if we were, um, okay. you know, searching the internet. So yeah, thank you guys for all your none input. Of those, uh, none of those other, uh, you know, Cardinals podcast reaction. Like, you know, we were going off on all the different stuff with all the different news. We were hearing with the other stuff with when it was, we'll, give you, what, we'll give you the information we're hearing. We're not going to hold anything back. I think Blake and I were pretty consistent during this coaching search and had a feel for it. Uh, yep. but yeah, it's been fun. Blake, where can they find you? Yeah, I'll be at Blake Murphy seven on Twitter. Um, I think right now the name has just changed over to Cliff's Notes, at least for right now, just in celebration. They hired a coach that we actually wanted them to hire, which is fantastic. I mean, that's one of the. And they have things. the quarterback that I wanted, so we're two for two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And then with the win in Lambo this year, we have to get John out here to Phoenix sometime at least for that. So uh, I'll just go. Yeah, every, I'll go to every game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go to, take him around. Be the good luck charm. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. I'll make sure we get this up as much as we can. Right now, we're recording on a Thursday night. Um, we'll hopefully be able to get as much. We'll see. The Cardinals may have their defensive coordinator by the time this goes uh, goes live to you guys. Take care and have again as always a fantastic time and go Cardinals. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.